the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to this special edition of Lifeline. We are listening to a special talk given by Dr. Greg Veeman at Calvary Chapel, Wilmington, on the subject of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ from the medical aspects. Again, parts of this are hard to listen to, and I might recommend if you have young ears around to maybe busy them in another room. Once again, Dr. Greg Veeman. John says, then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and the other who were crucified with him because they, they, it's, they want them to die. The Sabbath's coming. They've got to get these guys out of there. And so they break their legs. They're going to suffocate to death. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out. So he was already dead. They pierced his side. I'm going to skip past that. Let's talk just quickly about the blood and the water. People have wondered, is it from the abdomen or is it from the chest? Um, But what happened was, is that people talk about what was the blood, what was the water. This is a replica of one of the spears that they probably would have used. Probably pretty close, but they've got pictures and stuff, so people actually make these. And so you could see that actually, you know, what they uh, did in the Passion was, was pretty accurate. It was probably right about here. And remember, he would have been up on the cross. It would have been coming up and from the right side. And you can see the heart sits there behind the lungs. I'm going to show you some pictures on the board. But it would have come up and it probably would have pierced through part of the lung and then hit either, this is called the right atrium or the right ventricle, or both, you know, depending how it came. And I'll show you what the blood and the water would have been. But if he wasn't dead, which it says he already was, short, this would have definitely killed him. So you can see here, this is the anatomy of the lung. There's a cavity here where the lung sits, and this can flew up with fluid or blood or both, and Jesus definitely had that from being beaten. So there's fluid, uh, serous fluid in, in his lung cavity. It's called a pleural cavity. It's mixed with blood. When that spear goes through there, it's going to hit it, and then behind there is the heart. You can see that you have on the right side there, the right atrium, the little chamber, and then the right ventricle. Blood actually flows from this one into this one. And then there's a sac around the heart called the pericardium that helps the heart move around in a nice, moist environment, and that can fill up with fluid. And surely, in his case, it did. It, 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 it's called a pericardial effusion, so fluid can build up in there, and then that can actually compress on the heart so it can't beat. It's like the fluid is pushing on the heart, so he definitely would have had that. And so to put it all together, that's probably the path of the Roman sphere. And so when you pierce those two, you're going to get blood 
mixed with water coming out of the lung and from the space around the heart, that pericardium. And then when you hit the heart itself, you'll get pure blood. So you will get blood and water or blood and water, blood and watery mix at the same time. And that's just another view of how it would have come through and hit all three spaces. It would have gone through the lung and gotten fluid there. The pericardium is that little line around the heart. It would have gotten some there. And then there's actually, of course, real blood in the heart. And interestingly, again, when you look at the uh, diagram here, look, look where that blood is. It's right there, isn't it? And interestingly, too, in this, I don't want to make too much out of it, though, there are signs of bleeding all over the forehead and scalp as if there were a crown of thorns on there. So the Shroud of Turin is an interesting thing to look at, but we definitely know that it confirms what we believe medically. Now, the amount of fluid that would have come out, here it is, is probably about this minimum. About 750, but at least this. This would be the minimum if you add up the amount of fluid in each cavity and what you could expect to get. So it would be a decent amount of fluid coming out. And I think the Passion of the Christ movie did a pretty good job of, um, of showing that. And then, of course, Jesus is dead, and Pilate marveled that he was already dead because, you know, normally uh, it takes a little bit longer. They have to break the legs. But we know that he was beaten so badly. And, uh, again, he's giving up his spirit and yielding it that it happened in God's timing, not, man, not man's. Some people say, that, you know, did he really die? I mean, yes, he really died. And in the journal article from the doctors, they say he absolutely died. There's no way that he didn't. And so that, not many people believe that, but you'd be surprised. But you can point people to the medical literature on that. So let's end and just talk about this. I think that the agony and the crucifixion of Jesus destroys our concept of reality. We're not highly evolved. We're not getting better. We're more fallen than we can ever comprehend. And understand that there wasn't any other way to do it. People complain that there's only one way, but if you understand that the price for sin is death, and so you must die because of sin, and then if you understand that if God's going to rescue you from your sin, he's got to die in your place to, take, to pay the penalty. But if he's going to die for everybody, another man can't do it for you. If, in other words, he's got to have some way to die for you, but to die for everybody of all eternity, of all time, that's ever been on the face of the earth at the same time. And so that's how the God-man is the only solution. God had to become a man because only a man can die, but he still had to be God because only the death of, of God as a man could be, have infinite value. If a man dies, he could die maybe for one person, but he can't die for everybody. So there's only one way by definition. There can't be any other way. And instead of complaining or saying, why isn't there another way, we need to marvel and wonder at the way that 
He did it. The marks are still on him in heaven. After his resurrection, Thomas put his hand in the hole in the side. You're going to see it when you get there. As a reminder of what he did through. What he went through, the horrific beating, the torture. That bloody picture of Christ is also a mirror to sin. It shows you how bad it really is in God's eyes. We minimize it. We brush it over. We put it under the rug. We fix some of the bigger sins, but there's lots of sins that are deep. Motives. Secret thoughts. Right? Little innuendos that you have. Little secret things in your heart that you never know about, that you think nobody knows about, but God knows. And every one of them sent Jesus to the cross. It also shows God's love and passion to save us. If you ever doubt God's love, you look here. Because there are going to be things that happen in your life that you don't understand. You're going to say, if God loves me, why would he ever put me through this? Why would I ever experience this? And you will not understand it, probably, at least when you're going through it. Maybe sometimes looking back you will. But in the middle of that, when you start to doubt, when the devil starts to whisper in your ear, you look there and you go through what we talked about, and then that settles it. If he's willing to do that for me, he proved it there. He doesn't have to do anything in my life ever to show me that he really cares. He said in this world, we will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He said, if you are a follower of Jesus, Paul said, you will be persecuted you will have bad things happen. And one last point, God suffered more as the God-man than any human being ever will. Anybody. So when we want to question God about suffering, when we want to question about why would he let this happen or let this person go through this, he's been here and he's done it himself. He knows Hebrews said he had to become like us to be a faithful high priest. God's experienced it. He's been through human pain and suffering because he is human and God. So be careful in questioning him because he's been through it himself. Now every person in this room, all of us, me, Every one of us, the pastor, can respond to this message. If you're a Christian and you're saved and you're born again and you know the Lord, nobody fully grasps what he went through. Nobody fully gets it. And so I want you to respond today when the band comes up here and we start playing the music. I want you to recommit yourself to the Lord. I want you who are loved much to love much who were forgiven much. I want you to get in the word. I want you to recommit yourself to God and his purposes. We can all be more grateful. We can all be more committed. We can all be more excited about God. We all go through ups and downs. And we can all respond in some way of gratitude, of more devotion, of of just saying... Maybe you've drifted away. Maybe you've gotten a little lazy in your Christian life. It happens to everybody. Come back. Or maybe you're here today and you've never been saved. 
or you've never been born again. Jesus warns that in that day, many people will say, Lord, Lord, I did this, I did that in your name. I went to church. I went to men's group. I, I, I went to the ladies' seminars. I, I took the tithes and offerings. I worked at the front door. And he will say, I never knew you. Many people calling him Lord. These people think they're Christians. They've been busy with Christian stuff, church stuff. And they never knew the Lord in a relationship. The word know means to know in a personal, interactive relationship where he is guiding your life, speaking to your heart. It doesn't mean you're perfect. In fact, it means you probably know you're more messed up than you really are. In my 10 years or 13 years of being at this, the further along I get, the more sinful I realize I am, the more messed up I realize I am, and the more I'm dependent upon the Lord. I'm not more independent, I'm more dependent Because I know how how much I need God to get me through each day. I look in the mirror and I pray against myself. It's you that's going to ruin the day. Yeah. We did that one time a long time ago. We passed out mirrors at the men's group. And we said, everyone, look at yourself in the mirror and pray against yourself. But look, if you are here today, God did it. He came. He died for your sins. And it is provable in the resurrection And it is the most historically attested fact ever. There is no other explanation for the appearances of Jesus Christ other than he really did it. And you must believe in your heart that God raised him for the dead. If you pin people down, some people really don't. But if you leave here today, don't leave here today unless you know the Lord. I want everyone to close their eyes. I want everyone to be in prayer. I want the Christians to be committing themselves to God to be grateful for what they've seen that he went through. And I want those of you who aren't sure, I want you to pray right now to God. Lord Jesus, forgive me my sins. I believe that you went through this for me, that you died on the cross and that you were raised again the third day. Save me from my sins. I repent. I want to change. I want my relationship. And I want it now. Save me from my sins. Pray that prayer to God right now from your heart. Your life will change. Something will happen to you. The Holy Spirit will come into you. You're not just signing up for some religion. You're not just committing yourself to some belief system. No, you're going to have a change in the actual nature of your existence because when you give your life to Christ, God does something to you. He gives you eternal life that begins right here and right now. And it's just the beginning not the end. It's just the start of an amazing relationship with God. And then you come to church, you read your Bible, and you start to grow with the Lord. Pray that right now. Do not leave here. You've been listening to a very special talk given by Dr. Greg Veeman at Calvary Chapel, Wilmington, Delaware, entitled The Crucifixion of Jesus Christ from the Medical Aspects. Very apropos, I think, the timing related to this special week, Holy Week, of 2018. Well, as you know, this week, Easter week, is indeed one of the most holiest times on the Christian calendar, certainly on a par with Christmas, as services take place all across the globe related to Monday, Thursday, 
Good Friday, and of course, the most important day, Resurrection Sunday. To tell us a bit about one church here in the Bay Area that's holding a couple of special services, we're joined by Pastor John Jester, Senior Pastor at Watsonville Christian Church. And Pastor John, great to have you. Let's talk a bit about what is going to be going on at your church this week. You'd mentioned to me that you're going to be having a very special Monday, Thursday service. Tell us a bit about what all that is about for folks that perhaps are not familiar with it. Okay, the Monday Thursday service. Uh, the word Monday is a Latin word meaning mandate, and when I've read, they get that from Jesus' command in John thirteen thirty four, saying, "I give you a new command: love one another." So that's where we get the word Monday from on Monday Thursday. And at our church, we will be opening the doors at five forty five. And the service will begin at 7. If people want to come in early, they can do that. We'll have some coffee, some tea for them. And uh, then at 7 p.m., we will have the service. Uh, we'll have some beautiful music. We'll have some prayers. And also, we have the foot washing service. We read about uh, in John 13, 1 through 17. Uh, we do that each year. We have the lady partitioned on one section and the men partitioned on another section. Uh, we'll go through scriptures from the Old Testament in uh, Isaiah 52 and 53, and then we'll have beautiful readings from uh, John 14, 15, 16, and 17 by four of our different people. And, of course, we'll have the communion service, because on that Passover when Jesus kept it, that, of course, we know he instituted the symbols of the bread and what he called the fruit of the vine. So we're going to have that afterwards. We're going to have snacks and fellowship. So it's going to be very beautiful, wonderful, uh, very inspiring uh, service for everyone. And that, again, will be taking place this Thursday, uh, prayer service at 6.40 p.m., just in advance of the evening service that starts at 7 p.m. at Watsonville Women's Club there in Watsonville. That's located at 12 Brennan Street in Watsonville. And you can get more information online by going to Watsonville Community Church's website at watcc.org. That's watcc.org. Sounds, uh, Pastor Jester, like in addition to the focus on certainly uh, the passion of Christ leading into Good Friday, there's a lot of community building that's going to be taking place during the Monday Thursday service. Yes, very much so, very much so. We have it in the evening, because many times some people maybe can't attend during a daytime service, uh, but we have it in the evening service, and we really look forward to having it, because it's really unique. It's our one-time service of the year. We have it in the evening, and go through the whole Scriptures, Old and New Testament, and we do the foot washing, and we think of Jesus having washed the apostles' feet, which would be 24 feet that he washed. Now, we don't wash that many. We wash each other's feet. Uh, but it is very special, very inspiring, very encouraging, and very uplifting evening for all of us. And again, that'll be this coming Thursday. Service time begins at 7 p.m. Sunday, of course, uh, is the real highlight on the Christian calendar as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his victory over death and the grave. Tell us about your Sunday morning Easter service. Okay, on that day, on Sunday, uh, another special day, we'll have the hall open by 9 a.m. Uh, services will start at 10 Again, we'll have beautiful music. We also, every service, we have a thanks and prayer time where we send the microphone up and down the rows. Anybody needing prayer, we'll offer a prayer for them. And then we have, again, uh, the services. We'll go, be going this year. We're going through part of Matthew 27, expositionally, 27 and 28. And then we're going to have a couple little short videos at the end, one called The Names of Jesus, and the other one, That's My King, a very rousing uh, little segment. After that, we're going to have an annual breakfast-type potluck, which is going to be after this church service. So we have another good time of fellowship and a great time gathering together as we celebrate 
the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. So if you happen to be in the Watsonville area, perhaps you live down there and are new to the region looking for a new church home or a special place to celebrate Easter services, your opportunity, your invitation to join the Watsonville Christian Church this Sunday. And again, we'll mention the service times. Um, You'll open at 9 a.m. And then what time is the official start time for the service? 10 a.m. 10 a.m. All right. So doors open at 9, 10 a.m., the beginning of the Easter Sunday service. Again, that's at Watsonville Christian Community Church, located in Watsonville at 12 Brennan Street in downtown Watsonville. If folks there are familiar with the downtown, that's inside the Watsonville Women's Club building. Again, at 12 Brennan Street in Watsonville. Doors open 9 a.m. and Easter Sunday service at 10 a.m. More information by calling 831 784-1429. That's 831-784-1429. Or you can easily go online to Watsonville Christian Church at watcc.org. That's watcc.org. Well, Pastor John Jester, we appreciate the update and uh, the invitation to our listeners to join you and your congregation to uh, celebrate this Easter Sunday service, and of course, a great way to lead into uh, uh, the Passion on Friday with the Monday Thursday service. Again, that'll be Thursday at 7 p.m. Pastor John Jester, thanks for the time. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Well, you know, every year during the first of January, so often many of us will look to resolutions. We'll promise ourselves everything from trying to get more exercise to lose weight to perhaps. Uh, be more dutiful at being involved in ministry at church, spending more time with our wife, our kids, all of these things which are certain key and important to life. But when you think about the big questions about life, one of the big questions perhaps that most of us struggle at one point or another to try to gain an answer to, and that is understanding specifically what God wants of us, through us, and in our lives. Essentially trying to understand what is His will for my life. As we enter in this new season of new beginnings here in the typical January, learning how to reach your full potential for God, certainly no stranger to the KFAX listeners. He is the host of In Touch, heard weekday afternoons at 4 p.m. here on KFAX. And pleased to have with us today, Dr. Charles Stanley. And uh, Pastor, great to have you on the program. Well, delighted to be with you, Craig. You know, we think about, again, New Year's and new beginnings and resolutions and so forth. I can't imagine any bigger question than most of us can ask ourselves. And maybe it's one that we ask not only at the beginning of, of a new year, but at certain key marks in life, be it uh, when we get married, when we retire, when we find a new job, when we perhaps are going to become a parent. And that is struggling to answer this question, learn more about what God wants of us and how to fully reach our potential for God. Well, what he wants above everything else in our life is a personal, intimate relationship with himself. Everything else he can do. But that is something we have to yield to with him. And when you think about all the ways that he works in our life, ultimately that's his will. And so he's willing, because that's his purpose and his will, he's willing to do whatever is necessary in our life, to enable us to develop that relationship. And when that relationship is right, everything else is going to get right because the truth is every aspect of our life flows out of and is influenced and impacted by a personal relationship with him. So when somebody says, well, I don't know the will of God for my life, you can know because if he has a will, he certainly isn't going to keep it a secret. He's willing to show us if we're willing to submit ourselves 
And I think a lot of people want to know the will of God in order to consider it not to do it. And God doesn't play those kind of games. You know, and it's interesting. I think about uh, so many of us that as we came to Christ, if uh, perhaps a friend or a loved one uh, shared the gospel message with us. So one of the, the four key steps to salvation, understanding that God has a plan for our life. And of course, that goes beyond simply the relationship and coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and walking in fellowship with him, but then ultimately into what it is that he wants to do in us and through us. And I found it interesting. In some of your opening remarks to this Thomas Nelson book, Reach Your Full Potential for God, Never Settle for Less Than His Best, you talk about the fact that God impressed upon your heart that to understand fully what God wants to do in us and through us, you have to approach this at the get-go with a clean heart, a clear mind, and a balanced schedule. I have to tell you, those three items alone caught my attention. Well, that's the way it is. And I woke up one morning about three o'clock and out of a dead sleep, and it's like the Lord said, do you want to reach your full potential for your life? And I said, well, sure. And so I thought I didn't know what was going on, but I pulled out a pad and a pen I keep by my bed. And so as I began to just be quiet and listen, the Lord just laid out all seven of those points uh, to me very clearly. And when you think about it, I, I, I thought, well, now, am I sure this is of God? And I looked at him again and again, and I thought, yes, because this is where he thinks. First of all, a clean heart and a clear mind. In other words, and a balanced schedule. That is, that he has the proper time that he needs to work in our life. And if my if my heart's not if my heart's not clean, my mind is not going to really be clear. And I'm not going to operate in my life on his schedule. And when we're not operating on his schedule, we can't do our best, and we won't do our best. So, so much of this really reaching our full potential in the Lord, whatever that might be. And certainly it, it's different for all of us. God gives and grants to each and every one of us different skills, talents, abilities, and, and goals. But in order to fully reach that, we really have to be walking in uh, the fullness of his fellowship then, don't we? This needs to be an intimate kind of relationship with the Lord that can't be something that's just sort of approached casually. Absolutely. And this is why I said in the very beginning, our personal intimate relationship with him impacts everything. When that's right, I'm, I'm going to have a clear mind about his will for my life. I'm going to understand his schedule for my life. I'm going to have right relationships. I'm going to be willing to take risks for him. And things will fall in place. And it doesn't mean that everything is going to be easy, but it means that no matter what I face, I'm going to come through it. I'm going to come through it successfully because in order to do that, you've got to submit yourself to the will of God. And submitting yourself to the will of God isn't always easy, because I think a lot of people are afraid to do that. They think, well, I want to do the will of God, but suppose he asked me to do this, or suppose he asked me to do that. Because he's a God of love, he's only going to require of us what is best for us. And my unwillingness to do what he says is because I don't trust him to love me enough to just choose the best. I would imagine in your many, many years in pulpit ministry and as pastor, uh, this question has been brought before you time and time again, this question. Well, pastor, I just don't understand what is God's will for my life. And I would suspect then that part of this answer for a lot of people that struggle with that is the notion that they're fearful. Well, gee, you know, if I really pursue God, what if God asked me to become a missionary on the foreign mission field or or do something that I don't really feel cut out to do? Does God do things like that? I mean, is he, is he of the character that he's going to surprise us and, and call us to do something that we're neither
either inclined to do or even equipped to do? There are some things he's going to do that's going to surprise us, all right. But they're coming from the perspective that, that God's motivation is judgment and punishment and testing me and trying me when God's motivation is love. Now, if he wants to send somebody to the mission field, that isn't God doing something bad for them. That's God giving them an opportunity. But it always goes back to what is my attitude toward God. In other words, do I see him as a heavenly father who loves me, who has saved me, who wants to show me his will, provide my needs, test me, try me, yes, but all of that to grow me up and become the person he wants me to be. And those periods of testing and trial are for our good. And it's interesting. I've always thought the passage of Scripture where we're reminded that God will give us the desires of our heart, but in another passage that we are encouraged to keep our mind and our heart focused on Him. And so if we put Him first in life, and He is the central, He is uh, our our heart's desire, so to speak, uh, that as He comes to fulfill those desires in the end, this will be something that will not only give glory to His name, but also much delight to us. And I guess in the end, when we talk about determining what He wants for us and discovering and reaching our full potential for Him, uh, in the end becomes not only a delight for the Lord, but a delight unto us as well. And when He says, if we delight ourselves in Him, I think most folks don't realize that he must be central in our life, that if I'm delighting myself in him, then my decisions are going to be based always on this. What's pleasing to God? What is his will in this situation? What would he have me to do? Not what do I want to do and then want to make him fit my plan. But what do you say then, Pastor, to the person who says, but Pastor Stanley, you don't understand. I'm so average. I'm plain. There's nothing really special about me. I, I don't have the ability of, of, of great oratory skills to get on the radio or up in the pulpit and proclaim the Word of God. I, I don't have a degree in anything. I'm, I'm just kind of an average Joe. Um, how could God ever possibly use me? I think many people have asked that question. Probably everybody who's ever accomplished anything has asked that at some point. But the issue is not... Uh, comparing ourselves with others, we think about what we have and don't have, then we're comparing ourselves with others. The question is, what has God given me, and what is God able to do with what he has given me? And the truth is, we would say, well, God is does the impossible, but many people have problems with this because they have a poor self-image, uh, they have uh, a poor uh, image of what they're capable of doing, they have lots of fears, that they're, they're afraid fail, they fail what people are going to say, a criticism. And so a lot of that negative thinking is the result of their attitudes that have no real scriptural basis whatsoever. God wants the best, will provide the best. All he's looking for is submission to his will and let him decide what he wants to do with us. And, you know, so much of this comes back down to, I think, one of the central points when we talked earlier about a clean heart, clear mind, and a balanced schedule. That that word balance is so key to this. Uh, speaking to uh, Jim Dobson uh, on the occasion of his retirement from full-time ministry and looking back over the course of 30 years of ministry with focus on the family and, of course, the big question, could you ever have imagined in the 1970s when you began with one little radio station down in Southern California that this ministry would ever grow to the level and potential that it has to become now this international outreach. And, of course, the response, if I had known what this would have grown to, I would have been scared to death and too afraid to start it. I think sometimes we need to realize that it's good if we have a sense that we aren't fully capable, that we can't do it in and all of ourselves, because if we felt otherwise, then there would be, in many levels, no sense or no need for God. Absolutely, and I think 
the spirit, the spirit of, of inadequacy that is based on a true, genuine understanding of who God is and His holiness is always healthy. And once we step out of line with that sense of personal inadequacy, uh, pride, arrogance, and everything else gets in the way, and we're not going to be able to be used by God. He's not going to use arrogance. Dr. Charles Stanley, my guest on this edition of Lifeline, Reach Your Full Potential for God, Never Settle for Less Than His Best, published by Thomas Nelson. We'll take a brief time out when we come back, learning how to move beyond the settled-for life, as our conversation with Dr. Charles Stanley continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And welcome back to Lifeline, our conversation with Pastor Charles Stanley, host of In Touch Ministries. Of course, the program comes your way each weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. here on KFAX. And more information on the web at intouch.org. And it's interesting, Pastor Stanley, I think for so many of us, as we go through certain high water marks in life, and this might be times of uh, perhaps a marriage or a divorce or death of a spouse, a loss of a job or retiring or even becoming a new parent. Uh, these times and occasions when we struggle with the question of what does God want from us? What does he want of us? How can we reach our full potential? And then sometimes I think, unfortunately, we get we get discouraged, we get bogged down by the challenges and obstacles of life, and we end up settling for less than his very best. How can we how can we move past that settled for kind of life? What we have to do, one of the first things is this, and that is to recognize who we are from God's perspective. We are one of his children, created in his image, to bring him glory and honor. And he's promised that he will be with us, enable us, encourage us, provide for us, no matter what, in every circumstance. And when I think about how many people can quote Romans 8:28, that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him, to those who call to go into his purpose, oftentimes people will quote that, but they don't believe it about themselves. Mm. And they are willing to settle for far less because, for a number of reasons, sometimes, as we said, they fear of failure, sometimes they're just lazy. They're not willing to pay the price. They're not willing to submit themselves to the Lord's way and His will in their life. And so they settle for less than that. Then they become very angry oftentimes, or very discouraged, and, and always want to blame it on somebody else. We have to take responsibility for our life and recognize that God is very involved in our life and that whatever our needs are, He will supply if we submit to His will and do it His way. I would imagine one of the big um, big obstacles to achieving that sense of, of full potential and enjoying that, that inner drive and that enthusiasm for life and, and what you do in and through the Lord is the roadblock of being unwilling to surrender fully to Him, would you think? Absolutely. I do believe that that is the major issue and that one willingness to surrender is either selfishness from our part, we want our way, or fear of what God may require of us. And oftentimes, people will head in that direction and then just begin to doubt. And they give up and just say, well, I can't do it, or who am I, as we said a few moments ago, what can I do, what has God done for me? And every person has gifts, every person has talents and abilities. Some people are willing to employ them and take the risk of failure or criticism 
and some people are just not willing to do it. We talked a moment ago about some of those important life junctures, uh, and I think perhaps there are some of those high watermark points in life when it's it's always healthy to um, sort of take account of where we're at, not only in our relationship with Christ, our relationship with our children, our spouse, and to make sure that we're indeed on track for for the plan that He has for us. You know, we're told in Scripture that that He's begun a good work in us, that He will complete that through our days. But I I think it's important, perhaps, as we hit some of those important timelines in life, whether we're we're beginning out in a new marriage, maybe we've just gone through a pain of divorce through no fault of our own, and now we're struggling with that. Maybe we've lost a spouse. Is it important, Pastor Stanley, at those moments to sit down and kind of take a fresh account of not only where we're at in our relationship with him, but also to not only make sure we're on track for what he wants for us and wants to do through us, but also maybe to ask the question, maybe God wants to take us in a, a different direction with new goals at those junctures? I think you're absolutely correct. And because there are situations and circumstances where we have to make changes. We have to make changes about the way we think, changes about our schedule, changes, for example, about our, our, what we think is His will and purpose and plan for our life. And those times are very, very important because so often a person's life takes a turn uh, for the good or maybe not for the good, as a result of maybe just ignoring the seriousness of the situation and leaving God out, making decisions on the basis of what seems to be right or wrong or what's the easiest way out. Very important, not only in critical junctures like that, but the truth is every day when we awaken in the morning, we ought to be saying, now, Lord, show me your will for my life today. Make me sensitive about the people I meet. Help me to be perceptive about the things that are going on around me and show me your will for this day step by step and when we're willing to do that he's there he's there to enable us no matter what we're going through and then finally i'm wondering pastor stanley about measurement of performance you know uh, many of us in the workplace uh, we will have a semi-annual or annual meetings with our immediate supervisor who will take a look at things like uh, our attendance record how we interact with fellow employees deal with customers and clients and things of this sort and then help evaluate us and we'll note the areas where we are excelling or or achieving our goals and outstanding performance uh, areas where maybe we're just satisfactory other areas where perhaps our performance is unsatisfactory. How do we go about ascertaining whether or not we're really hitting the mark when it comes to serving God and achieving the goals and plans that He has for our life? I think so often many of us will try to compare where we're at against other people and say, well, gee, you know, I'm, I'm just a pastor of a small church and I only have 75 members in my congregation, so God must be dissatisfied with me because, gee, the pastor up the block has got 800 members. How do we go about ascertaining whether or not we're actually on track for what God's will is for our life. First of all, is my heart clean? Am I thinking scripturally? Am I thinking clearly? What about my schedule? What, how am I spending my time? And Am I using it uh, wisely or am I wasting time? What about my relationships? How very important they are in my life. And as a person goes down each one of these, uh, it gives them a time to think through where they are in life. And I think this has to happen many, many times in life, not just at the critical junctures, but I can think in my own life, oftentimes, right before God has uh, given me some instruction about something, uh, that to make a change, that's I, I would have this feeling, I just need to give some time to the Lord and get in His Word and be quiet. Mm-hmm. Just say, Lord, 
I want you to examine my heart. I want you to show me if there's some area here that you want to change. And if there is an area of change, and most of the time there is something going on, then he's going to show us what it is. And he's not going to show us judgmentally, but he's going to show us to encourage us and to remind us that the change that needs to take place, he will enable us to do it. In that way, we keep progressing in life no matter what. And it, and it strikes me that it takes us back full circle to one of those key points that you talked about in the beginning of our conversation, uh, this sense of a clean heart, a clean mind, a balanced schedule, and the willingness to surrender. You know, sometimes we'll go before the Lord at one of these critical junctures or just when it's time to, to sort of refresh and renew and, and check in with God, so to speak, to make sure that we're on track. The willingness to say, Lord, I'm going to surrender to you, and I'm going to seek your face and your answers for where I'm headed next, and I might have some thoughts and desires in my own heart to understand that I need to surrender even that, and sometimes if we if we say before the Lord, gee, God, will you do this for me or take me in this direction, that if God gives you a no answer, that that's still an answer. That's exactly right, <laughs> because his no answers are answers for our protection and for our guidance, and for our good. No's are not always bad. Again, reach your full potential for God, never settle for less than his best, by Thomas Nelson, and the book, again, available at bookstores. In touch with Pastor Charles Stanley each weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. here on KFAX, and more information about both the book and Pastor Stanley's ministry on the web at intouch.org. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Media Group. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.